Okay, page 48. The problem with work. Question number one. What do you remember most about your first job? Paycheck. <laughs> Everybody would remember that, right? <laughs> that first paycheck. When you get that first pay paycheck, the realization comes. My, wow. My first paycheck was seven pounds a penny. Pounds? <laughs> <laughs> How much was that in dollars? Not even 20. <laughs> it went a long way. And the thing is, I was 17, and the girl who started at the same time I did, she got eight pounds for in a penny because she was old. <laughs> she was what? Old. Oh, wow. She got eight pounds for in a penny, and I can remember those two things. <laughs> <laughs> anybody, know, anybody remember what one pound was, was equivalent to a dollar? Two dollars and eighty cents. Yeah. One pound. So, but not now. Okay. I can't remember any of those days, man. I remember the the, the truppins and the sixpence and the dollar and the pound. But that's about it. Anybody else had a first job experience that you want to share? Mine was only six months. Your first job was only six months. Yeah. Okay. I worked as a I banked groceries. My first job in a grocery store, you know, mm -hmm. and I remember the normal tip because you took them to their car. This mm -hmm. was in Florida, mm -hmm. and put them in a car. Twenty-five cents was the normal tip. Yeah. Wow! And uh, one, a lady at Christmas gave me a dollar. Wow! Wow! You must have been. I was able to put four gallons of gas in my car for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-five cents a gallon. <laughs> wow! Twenty-five cents a gallon. <laughs> wow! Those were the days. <laughs> they ain't coming back. <laughs> You'll never see those days again. Okay. First job experiences. My first real job was at the Royal Bank of Canada after graduating from high school, and that was interesting. A fellow came into the bank one day and uh, they asked him for an ID and he was one of those really, really troublesome people. And uh, boy, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, let's look at Bible meets life. Someone go ahead and read that please. Each month, about 14 million people around the world listen to the NPR podcast, How I Built This, with Guy Raz. Each episode focuses on a well-known product or business. Guy Raz interviews the entrepreneurs to discuss how they built their now successful companies. One of the many great privileges of living in the United States is the ability to begin a business in your garage. Apple computers in your home, Etsy, or even out of the trunk of your car, Under Armour. <laughs> For many of these companies, it was a roller coaster ride from the struggle of having nothing to the success of a multi-million dollar company. And yet, there is a harsh reality that no matter your success or product, you will have to leave your work hard in the part of the work of the, in the hands of others after you're gone. How will that turn out? 
Sadly, 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation, and the stunning 90% by the third. What's the point of all that work if you're just going to leave it to those who will squander it? Hmm. Right, so today we will learn that our work is only meaningful when it's done to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So what is the point? Our work gains meaning when it's done to honor Christ. That's the only way. So although some people disdain work and seek to avoid it, work is not a bad thing. People need to work, the need, the need to work is not a consequence of sin. A lot of people believe that. Mm-hmm. Fellow was working one day and his work was hard and every time he hit the, he swung the ox, he said, oh, Adam. <laughs> he swung it again, oh, Adam. So his boss decided to test him. His boss gave him a, 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 a box that was covered and he told him, don't you ever open this box no matter what. Boy, and he was so curious. He kept looking at that box. He kept looking at that box and he just couldn't control himself. He opened the box and the little mice ran out. And uh, it was chaos around the place and the boss found out and the boss said, you did what I told you not to do, didn't you? So he stopped blaming Adam because he realized what, what the situation was. Work is good, but we are not to be consumed by it. We may feel productive, but as Solomon noted, our work is often not remembered or valued. Work is best viewed as a gift from God. Let's look then at the setting before we get to the verses that we're going to look at today. Uh, The verses on page 15, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18 to 23. As he continued his searching for meaning, Solomon continued from gaining wisdom to pursuing work. The king wondered if people could find satisfaction from doing more. The Bible is clear that work is a good thing. But actually, God gave, but God actually gave humans work responsibilities in Eden before they sinned. The New Testament writers, like Paul, affirmed the importance of honest work. But Solomon wanted to know if the work we do is really what explains our reason for being here. So let's look at those verses we have before us. We want to take the first one. Okay, we only have two. So we want to take the first one. I will then. Ecclesiastes 2, 18-23 says, I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun, because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is futile. So I began to give myself over to despair concerning all my work that I labored at under the sun. When there is a person whose work was done with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and he must give his portion to a person who has not worked for it, this too is futile and a great wrong. For what does a person get with all his work and all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? 
for all his days are filled with grief, and his occupation is sorrowful. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This, too, is futile. Hmm. Go on. Apart from God and an eternal kingdom perspective, Solomon grew to hate all he labored to make and achieve. The building projects, the gardens, and even the great accumulation of wealth. He gave two reasons. One, you can't take it with you. Solomon was king for 40 years. And while his father David managed to bring rest from all of Israel's enemies, it was Solomon who took advantage of the peace to build Jerusalem into a great city with a glorious temple for the worship of God. Yet, for all he did, Solomon realized he couldn't take it with him. <laughs> Two, you can't trust the kids when you're gone. <laughs> One of the tests of leadership is what happens when you're gone. Does everything continue smoothly as if we were still there? Or does it become better or worse? If we have focused only on building success ourselves, we likely won't take time to prepare others to take over. With that mindset, we're also not likely to trust others to do as well as we've done. After years of investing in our life's work, we tend to see it as my baby. Whoever comes after us surely won't see it that way, and they also most likely won't be as conscientious or as skillful as we were. That's where Solomon found himself. He knew he must leave all he labored for to those who came after him, but he asked, who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? This lack of confidence in those who follow can make us despondent as it did with Solomon. I began to give myself over to despair. As a senior adult, you understand better than most of, most of the wisdom of Solomon found in these points. You may have had these same thoughts when you think about the end of life. When you don't have an eternal kingdom perspective about your work and money, you will be tempted either to idleness or idolatry. Idleness. When your work doesn't have a purpose beyond this world, you may be tempted to get by with doing as little as possible, making just enough money to survive. Why work harder if you can't take it with you? A person living from this perspective will hate his work because it feels boring or pointless. Idolatry. Idolatry is the opposite mindset from idleness. This happens when you idolize your work and make it your God. If this life is all there is, work long hours and accumulate as much wealth as quickly as possible so that you can live in leisure and self-indulgence during your short life. The person living from this perspective grows to hate his work because it becomes his master and controls his life. Next page. On the other hand, when we approach our work from an eternal kingdom perspective, we'll sense a responsibility to help those who come after us. We should equip those who come after us to be good stewards of all the blessings God has entrusted to us. A kingdom perspective helps us avoid a skeptical attitude toward those who carry on our work. And we will remember that our work 
is not simply labor under the sun. Only when we work to honor Christ by working as unto the Lord will our work gain meaning. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Okay. Thank you. Couple of points. Couple of points to highlight. I guess you can understand why somebody would leave their inheritance to their pets, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've heard that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the person behind the pet. Mm. Who controls the pet? A <laughs> couple of points that come out of our uh, uh, reading. Uh, we live in a culture obsessed with work. <clears throat> obsessed with work. The desire for, good, for the good life has robbed us of the ability to enjoy life. Many people have all the wealth that they could ever imagine, but they're not happy. Uh, we hear of those persons who win lotteries, and instead of making life better, their lives are ruined, destroyed. Some people become a workaholic striving for something better for their families. And Solomon concluded that working just to pass it on to someone else made no sense at all. Because he said the person who gets it may end up being a fool, right? The two reasons Solomon grew to hate his work and all he had accomplished was you can't take it with you. All right? You can't take it with you. And we've always heard the question asked, have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Okay, I know there was a man who got buried in his Cadillac you know, he wanted his Cadillac so badly that he, his request was to be buried in it, and they buried him in it. Now, I don't know how much plot that took up in the cemetery, <laughs> but they buried him in his Cadillac. All right? But of course, he still didn't take it with him. All right? Where he was going, that Cadillac, that Cadillac made no sense and did nothing for him. And then he says the second reason, not only can't you take it with you, but you can't trust the kids when you're gone, all right? You can't trust them. You don't know what they'll do with it because they didn't work hard to earn it. So it doesn't mean anything to them. You know, they, they could, uh, uh, it has no value to them other than what they can get out of it. I mean, they, they don't have no appreciation for what it took. And so Solomon explains this reasoning. His main concern was the character of the person who would get what he earned. What kind of character would this person have? He had no idea if his heir would be a wise person or a foolish person. Okay, working to pass it on to a fool was another example of a life of futility for Solomon. Okay, question number two. When have you felt like your work was futile no, or, no, that's not question. What? When have you seen someone working? Oh, okay. Question we're looking at another page. When have you seen someone working all their life and leaving it to someone else to reap the benefits? Anybody? Uh, I have a friend. Everybody here knows him. And basically, him and his father started with 4 o'clock in the morning. They were slave drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, 
his father died and of course everything was left to him. Extremely wealthy because the other day he was just telling me some stuff and he said, you know, I have seven million dollars in Commonwealth Bank, seven million dollars in, in the Royal Bank and he said, who? He said, I'll leave it to my wife, he says. He said, the Diocese of the Bahamas will own us tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, furthermore, he says, I have a son who's down in Arlington to be a priest. And he says, you know what that means, he can't even peel a banana. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, he has to adopt his son. Mm. He says, he says, somebody comes in here, wants to buy something, he says, and they say, well, I ain't got so much. He says, well, you'll pay me next week. You'll be all right. <laughs> and he never get paid. He never get paid. He says that, and he is very cantankerous. I mean, I say cantankerous, I mean cantankerous. Mm. The principal part is, he is miserable. Mm. <laughs> he thinks by having a beautiful yacht and going here and buying property there, it offset his mind, but... He's miserable. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes. That's all in this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stress temptations, stress temptations you will face when you do not have an eternal kingdom perspective about work and money. And then he talks about idleness. He says when, when your work doesn't have a purpose beyond this world, you may be tempted to get by with doing as little as possible, making just enough money to survive. Why work harder if you can't take it with you? This person will hate his work because it feels boring and pointless. And uh, of course, we probably know of individuals like that and we probably hear of individuals and they talk about idleness. This happens when you idolize your work and make it your God. If this, if this life is all there is, <laughs> Work long hours and accumulate as much wealth as quickly as possible so you can live in leisure and self-indulgence during your short life. This person grows to hate his work because it becomes a master and controls his life. And so Solomon goes into a point of despair. He says, this is despairing. I mean, I'm working, I'm accumulating all of this and what's going to happen? Right? He says, stewardship is like an important principle in the Bible, especially as it relates to money. A person should work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill to honor the Lord through what, has, what the Lord has provided. A misplaced focus on work, money, and leaving an inheritance can lead to many sleepless nights. And many persons are experiencing that today. They have all the money that they could ever imagine having more that they could ever spend in this lifetime, but they can't sleep at nights. You know, some of them are thinking, oh, who's stealing from them? Yeah. That's the major thought. Who's stealing from them? Question number three. When have you felt like your work was futile or limited? Um, sometimes, like when you deliver um, things around your house, you're painting today, but you're still going to paint next, next year, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. continuous, you always do. <laughs> I mean, you have to, but you feel like, okay, it's it the land. So. Mm. Okay, next we will see some positive conclusions that Solomon makes about life and work. 
Look at the next verses we have, uh, verses 9 to 13. Who want to take that one? How does the wicked man turn? His struggle. I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. Well, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good night. 13. It is also the gift of God wherever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. Keywords. Put eternity in their hearts. Um, this is 3 and 11, chapter 3 and 11. He says, Why humans are constrained by time on earth? They are also Anything in this world that is not appropriate in its time. 
the Lord uses our suffering, difficulties, and trials to strengthen our faith and characters. James 1, 3, 4. And conform us to the image of Jesus, Romans 8:28-29. Our faith is proven through these things, resulting in praise and glory to God. First Peter 1, 7. Because we cannot trust, because we can trust God, we can trust that the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied is a good gift, and because God is sovereign. The way we do has come from him as a good gift. In turn, this his people can do good with his gift by providing for our families, meeting our needs, and taking care of those in need. God has created us from more than this world. He has also put eternity in their hearts. He has had Wired us to long for more than just this life and this world. We can't, no, we can help but wonder there must be more to life than this. Have you ever been, when most of us think about it, felt that, oh, felt that, felt for your weight and your life to have sufficient significance. Right. Something that will last beyond just this present life. God placed that child there. God has created us to enjoy the life He has given us. Contrary to the views of some, this is a mistake, people, not everything in this world is bad. In fact, we are to enjoy the success God gives us, to work and glorify Him. You see that it's also a gift from God, restricting. So God gives us the freedom to rejoice and enjoy the good life and to delight in the blessing He's given us now. Next page. <laughs> um, we want to know our place in this world and in God's plan, but He has not revealed to us everything He has done or is doing from beginning to end. God reveals to us what we need to know. We can trust Him with the rest. We must be content with what God has revealed to us. Though Adam's sin bring the curse of toil to our world, God gives His Son. God gave his son Jesus for our salvation to redeem us from this curse through the work of Jesus, his perfect life and willing sacrifice, we can have salvation if we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus for eternal life because of our relationship with Christ. Our work has purpose and our life has eternal significance. The work we presently do is preparing us for the rest we will enjoy one day in the presence of God. We are to carry out our work in the name of Jesus and lift thanksgiving to the Father, Colossians 3 and 17. We, when we have an eternal kingdom perspective and we honor Christ with our way, then our way means meanings. 
less to everything, even our world, to glorify, to glorify God in Christ. Okay, so um, Solomon gives us a couple of points we can get from what we read thus far. Uh, a couple of points that can transform our labor into God-honoring work rather than laborious, boring toil. He says God is in control and we need to remember that regardless of what kind of work we find ourselves engaged in. Remember, because God is in control, we have that work. God made it possible for us to have that. And so the point is, we need to remember God is in control. And then the second thing is, God has created us for more than this world. Many people's vision is limited to this world, to the confines of this world. And they say, as the old saying says, when you're dead, you're done. God has created us for more than just this world. And then thirdly, God has created us to enjoy the life He has given us. Uh, and the verse tells us that whatever we, we do in word or three, do it all to the glory of God. God has created us to enjoy what He has given us. And we think sometimes of, we don't think sometimes of what we have and what others don't have. And of the fact that what we have, others are longing for. And so we need to be mindful that God has given us everything that we have to be enjoyed as a gift from Him. Question number four. How could approaching work as a gift from God benefit you and be a witness to others? How could approaching work as a gift from God benefit you and be a witness to others? Anybody? Um, I was dealing with the same accident case for client. Um, husband died in the same accident. Mm-hmm. And because he worked for himself, he never paid national insurance or anything. The insurance company was like, well, we're not paying him anything because we can't prove how much he made. Wow. You know, that's the basis for them giving you money is how much you would have made every week. Mm-hmm. They calculate your salary times a certain amount of years, right? Mm-hmm. So I just was like, I just told her, you know, um, we'll deal with this. And I got, I just talked to the Lord about it and everything. And then before we submitted everything, we came here to um, the Arnett's and then we just prayed over these things before they went out to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding definitely that's helping because the insurance company said no, they were not paying anything. They're only going to pay for the funeral. They're not giving you anything for the amount of years wow. and everything because they base it all on your salary. So if you work uh-huh. for yourself and you don't pay national insurance, there's nothing to show what you would have been making every every year. Yeah. So we prayed over it and they offered us some money, so I'm trying to get some more. But at first they were like, no, we're not paying him anything at all. We're only gonna pay for the funeral and that's it. We're not paying him anything for the amount of years. And this is like a 39 year old, they admitted. Mm-hmm. The person you know, who caused the accident admitted it and everything, but they're like, no, we have no basis for knowing how much he would have made. So it was nice that we came here and prayed with Mrs. Arnett and we just mm-hmm. just put it before the Lord and said, Lord, you know, your will. Yeah, and yeah. so that's what I find. Um, I, I like the fact that people come to me and then I can at least show them that, hey, listen, mm-hmm. this ain't my work, this is the Lord's work. So right. it was good. Good. Yeah. So definitely had a good result, you know, and it's probably going to be even better. But 
Well, praise the Lord. Good to have a Christian lawyer. Eh? <laughs> okay, notice um, uh, how uh, we can develop an eternal kingdom perspective about work that gives meaning and honor to Christ. A uh, couple of examples. Through Adam, though Adam sinned, bringing a curse of toil to our work, God gave his son, Jesus, for our salvation and to redeem us from that curse. And then uh, through Jesus, through Jesus' work, his perfect life and willing sacrifice, we can have a salvation. We can have salvation if we repent of our sin and believe in him for eternal life. And then because of our relationship with Christ, our work has purpose and our life has eternal significance. And then the work we presently do is preparing us for the rest we will enjoy one day in the presence of God. We don't think about it that way, do we? And then finally, we are to carry out our work in the name of Jesus and with thanksgiving to the Father, according to Colossians 3.17. So a couple of points that we have here that we can look at with regards to answering that uh, fourth question. Uh, question number five, how can you tell that God has set eternity in the hearts of people? How can you tell? The attitude. Attitude? The attitude always to do very Okay. But I want to come back and, and the question number four. This word, realize and recognize. When we realize that God is in control, then we, when we realize God is in control, then we will recognize that if he is in control, he does all things good on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyone else want to uh, chime in on question number five? Some people are just happier with their work. They just, you know, they're not just like, uh, it's a toil. They, you can see the joy with them, whatever they're doing, if they're sweeping on the side of the road or whatever, they have a different attitude than somebody who gets to drag them out to come and do their work, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, attitude, definitely. Attitude, okay. Yeah. The point, our work gains meaning when it is done to honor Christ. Christ. How can we live this out? Page 57. It's amazing what a change of perspective can do for us, isn't it? If we view work only from a secular perspective, it will frustrate us and leave us empty. But when, you, when we view work with an eternal kingdom perspective, we understand it as a gift from God. Let's put this kingdom perspective into practice. Three points. One, be thankful. Acknowledge that the work you do at this stage of life is significant and these tasks are from God. Give him thanks. Whatever God has given you the ability or the, the, the responsibility or privilege to do, thank him for it. Rest. Balance work with rest. Your work around the house and volunteering to help in church ministries are important, but it should never consume you. Block out time daily for rest 
and set aside a day for rest. Some people want to work 24 7, 365. That's not good. And then work for Christ. Discover the ways you can honor Christ and bring an eternal perspective to the work you do. Don't consider just the things you do. Consider the people you interact with. Look for ways to point to Christ in your working, in your work-related relationships. I think that's an example that that um, uh, that Michelle gave a little while ago with regards to dealing with this case. And I think uh, that's very good, uh, and it would bring a greater perspective. So we got three points there that we can uh, pick up to live out this week: be thankful rest and work for Christ. Even at this stage of life, God has work for us to do. Doing his work and his will is what brings purpose and meaning for life. You know, there are some people who have worked a long time in their lives and they could not handle retirement. There are people who, when they retired, it wasn't too long after that they died. They left this world. And then there were those who retired and couldn't handle it and went back to work. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's take it all in perspective. Some of them please send stay married to the job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. All right, let's close. Uh, our time is gone. Any closing thoughts? This reminded me of um, a joke that people tell, the fact that people say they can't take it with them. Mm -hmm. So this man, when he, before he died, he told his wife, you know, he wanted to be buried with his money. So she wrote a check and put it there. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck cashing that way he's going. <laughs> so he wrote a check and put it in the coffin. Mm. <laughs> Father, help us to do all that we do in such a way that honors and glorifies you. <laughs> Thank you for being, uh, for, for not being through with us yet. Help us to know what you would have us to do at the next phase in our lives, whatever that phase may be. We ask your blessed benediction, Father, as we leave this building, but not your presence. Pray for the service to follow and all those who will be ministering in one way or another. Continue to get glory for yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.